Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You oh. know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Brief nightcap tonight. No, Ryan Gates is not here. I know everyone was excited to have him here last night. He'll be back on Saturday. Just me tonight. Jody Biasi on the nightcap. Like I said, we'll get out of here at about 7.40 tonight so we can get you over to Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins tied at two apiece. Chara. Holy cow. I mean, I've never liked the guy as a Sabre fan. Like, he is just... Oh, you like When they were in the playoffs in 2010, and there was that scrum at the end of, I think it was Game 5 here in Buffalo. And right at the end of the game, Paul Gostad gives him a whack on the back of the legs, and then Chara tries to start something with Gostad, and just three Sabres just come over the top on him and just drill him into the ice. Like, that was awesome. Like, that's what I've always wanted to see with Chara. Like, he's the big bully. He always picks on the little guy because basically everybody's the little guy. Um, But you've got to respect. You just have to. You have to respect him trying to play tonight. Broken jaw, mouth wired shut, full cage. I mean, I can't even imagine trying to play with that. Any hit you take, vibrations that your head takes or your neck takes that go up to your jaw. Like, all of that has to just be so incredibly painful um, that I cannot believe he's going to try to play. But it seems like he's going to do it, and I got to respect it. There's a lot of those guys around the league or around sports that I've grown to respect because there's almost nothing more to respect than a guy that is just toughens it out with a major injury that keeps most athletes out for a long extended period of time, and they go ahead and say, you know what, I need to be out there, I'm playing anyway. Guys that come to mind for me for that are guys that have played on torn ACLs. Joe Thornton last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs did that. Phillip Rivers, once upon a time, played an NFL playoff game on a torn ACL. Um, in MMA, Conor McGregor fought... Uh, which one, which of the fights was it? He fought um, Chad Mendez way back when to win his first title with a torn ACL. And Chara doing this, broken jaw, like you just got to respect it. Uh, I hope he plays tonight just because I think it would just be so intriguing and interesting to see how they utilize him and whether he plays a minor role or whether he plays his normal role, role uh, with that injury. Uh, anyways, that will be coming to you in about 40 minutes here on WGR. The... 
running back position for the Bills. So it's a position I talk about a lot. It's a position that we think about a lot. And it's one of the biggest question marks on the team going into the season. We pretty much have most of it figured out, right? Like We know Allen's the quarterback. We know that the tight end position will be made up mostly of Croft and Dawson Knox. Um, defensive line, like we pretty much, other than the, there might be a question between Shaq Lawson and Trent Murphy, but we know that Latula is going to start and Hughes is going to start and Ed Oliver, Edmonds, all over the defense. Like we pretty much know a lot of what the Bills are going to look like at each position, starter wise, uh, utilization, how much guys are going to play. And then there's receivers like this too, but running back to me is a little more interesting right now. Um, one Bills Live had a poll today on the position. Are who is going to lead the Bills in touches at running back after LaShawn McCoy? And I thought that was interesting they worded it that way. After LaShawn McCoy, which Bills running back will lead the team in touches? Because me personally, I don't think that McCoy's roster spot is solidified, let alone his leading role in the backfield. This position could go a number of different ways. You have four guys in the mix right now, and to me, they all kind of are similar in ways. Um, Like McCoy, I don't really know how you fit him in. If he wasn't here, if the Bills had traded him, say, at the last uh, trade deadline, and they got whatever they got, fourth, fifth round pick, whatever you want to say they got, and he was not here, every move they would have made would have made sense. You're basically starting over at the position. You don't want Marcus Murphy to be your starter. He's more of a special teams guy. So what am I going to do there? They sign, okay, let's pretend for a second McCoy's not here. Bill signed Frank Gore. All right, that makes sense. Veteran presence, and you know they value that. Hated Mike Tolbert as an idea, but he was the veteran presence guy. If you're going to go that route, Gore's about as good as you can do. Played in Miami last year, a significant role, and was good. Behind, by the way, Miami... We make excuses for the Bills running backs for good reason, for not producing last year. Miami's offensive line was not good either. Gore put up some pretty solid production, despite that. So that would have made sense. TJ Yeldon. All right, I got my pass catcher. He's not really a guy I want playing uh, as my starter at any point. The Jacksonville tried that. He was never really capable of doing it. But during his career in Jacksonville, by the way, second-round pick, like talented guy, He's been a good pass-catching running back. He can come in third downs and play pretty well for me. All right. What am I missing? I'm missing my future back. I'm missing the guy that I can go forward with as a potential starting running back for years to come. Gore's 36. Yeldon's not capable of doing it. I draft Devin Singletary. All right. Makes sense again. Third-round pick. That's a pretty solid investment. That's generally where you want to pick running backs. Because those guys are very talented in the second, third, fourth rounds, considering most guys don't go in the first, and you're able to get a lot out of them on their entry-level entry level contracts, talking hockey here, their rookie deals. All right, my backfield is Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon, Gore. I got some solid roles. Gore can be my running starting running back. He can do short yardage until Singletary's ready to take it on, or if Singletary's ready to take, a lot, take it on right now, Gore can be the leader and the short yardage guy. And Yeldon can be my pass catcher. That all makes sense. But McCoy is still here. And to me, that is the fact, or that's the thing that muddies the waters the most. Because every move they've made 
would suggest that they do not believe that LaShawn McCoy is any longer a featured running back in the NFL. Their, their words do say that they believe it. Brandon Bean says he's the starting running back. McDermott says he's the starting running back. But in this case, to me, actions speak louder than words. If you thought to yourself, McCoy's still here, but I don't think he's still capable of being in a featured you know, star-level running back even, but even a starting running back in the NFL. You would have done exactly what the Bills have done this offseason. You would have added two veteran guys that play different roles, and you would have added a third-round rookie, which is a pretty, you know, that's a pretty significant asset to use on a running back. Devin Singletary on the station today, and he sounds like a guy that thinks that he is going to have a role in this offense, and that makes sense. Look around the league. Those running backs... Play, especially in the second and third rounds. Alvin Kamara comes to mind for me from the Saints. I don't expect Devin Singletary to be that, but why did Alvin Kamara break out in his rookie year? Despite the fact that Mark Ingram was there. Because he was a third-round pick, and New Orleans, spending a third-round pick on a running back, knows that those guys are talented and you've got to get them on the field. And he was even able. He had an opportunity to break out. And that's all I really want from this season from the Bills at running back. I don't want, if McCoy comes out and McCoy is back to his old self, then I'm fine with that. Good. But the last thing that I want to see happen this season is the Bills to keep McCoy in there longer than he should and take away opportunities from Devin Singletary. He might not be a star running back. He might not have the capabilities of being a star running back. But if he does... You've got to give him the opportunity to show that. And the longer that he doesn't get that opportunity, the longer it's going to take for you to find out how good he really is. It's kind of like the quarterback conversation. You want to throw the rookie in or the young quarterback in, to me, as soon as possible because I'm trying to figure out if this is my franchise quarterback and I don't want to waste an extra year on him if he's not it. And and to a lesser extent, that's kind of what I'm thinking here at running back. I want to see Devin Singletary get an opportunity to play in case he does have that star power uh, level of play at the running back position. You want to be able to find that out. You can't find it out if he doesn't see the field. And you've got a very crowded backfield right now for the Bills. And I'm trying to project, like, okay, what does that look like if all four are here? I don't necessarily think all four are here. It's a little hard for me to believe because... The Bills value versatility. And one thing they've shown to value is the capability for guys to play special teams. And the way, the way it stands right now is you have four running backs that are leading you in, leading your depth chart, none of which have experience playing special teams. TJ Yeldon's never played a snap on special teams in the NFL. Neither has LaShawn McCoy. Neither has Frank Gore. S- Singletary did not play special teams in college. So, to me, it's hard for me to believe that all four of those guys are going to be, make the team. And if they do, are you going to dress all four of them? I don't know. That is also hard for me to believe. Because if you do want a running back to play special teams, well, then you've got five running backs on your team. And that's a lot. That's a lot. If you want to keep Tyree Jackson on your team, then that's a, something you probably don't want to do. If you want to keep a fourth tight end, You probably don't want to keep five running backs. If you want to keep an extra pass rusher or an extra cornerback because you've got some injury problems there or an extra linebacker, 
it's all of that is harder to do when you're keeping five running backs, and I don't see a lot of teams that do that. New England does it, but past that, not a lot of teams keep five running backs. And if you did keep five running backs, like who are you who are you scratching on game days? You signed Gore and Yeldon to play. You're not doing it to McCoy. And I really hope they don't do that to Devin Singletary as a third-round pick. I don't want my third-round pick being scratched on game days. So to me, the numbers don't add up. But if I'm wrong, and if all of them are going to play on game days, or if all of them make the team, if all of them have some sort of role in the offense, what does that look like? Gore... Like I said, could be the short yardage guy. Yeldon could be the pass catcher. And then maybe McCoy and Singletary split up the rest. And I didn't want to use last year as a way to predict this because last year we all know the offensive line was just an absolute train wreck. They had a trash offensive line last year. If the Vikings didn't set NFL records for most sacks allowed and play as bad as they did, it would be easy to sit here and say the Bills had the worst offensive line of football. I don't think they did. Minnesota probably did, but they were right there. The last time the Bills didn't have a trash offensive line, even a good offensive line, not too long ago, 2017, a couple years ago, like they were pretty good. Incognito, Eric Wood, Cordy Glenn, although he didn't stay completely healthy, Dawkins was here. Mills had improved that year. He still wasn't that good, but he wasn't as bad as he was at the beginning of his Bills career. So like a good offensive line. And the Bills running backs that year combined for 2,100 yards. That's McCoy two years younger. That's a split between Mike Tolbert and Travaris Cadet. I thought Cadet played pretty well during his time here as a Bill. 2,100 yards. That's pretty fair. You know where that finished in the NFL among running backs? Seventh. I think I would sign up today on the dotted line for the Bills to have the seventh best running back output in the NFL. Around 2,100 yards. That counts receiving. That counts rushing. If all four of the guys that are currently on the team and that are at least, you would think, capable of having some sort of role in the offense, how do you split that up? I don't see McCoy being any sort of featured back. Ian Rappaport the other day reports that the days of Todd Gurley being a bell cow back are over. I think you could easily say the same thing here right now about LaShawn McCoy. The way I split it up, the way I would predict that it happens, is it's going to be a very even split if they decide to keep these four guys around. I would say McCoy, just a complete guess right now, McCoy 35%, Gore and Singletary 25%, and Yeldon 15%. Because Yeldon might not get a lot in the ground game, but I think you signed him to be able to use him in the pass game. So, how, how much is that? 35% of... 2,100, 735 yards, that's McCoy. Gore and Singletary, if they're doing about a quarter, 525 yards. Yeldon, 315 yards if he's around 15%. So none of them are really having a great season, but together they kind of combine to you know, have a good year as a backfield together. The end of the day, though, I just don't know that you need to do that. Why do you need to split it up four ways? You hardly need to do it three ways. But that all comes down to whether Devin Singletary is capable of being a first and second down back. If he's capable of filling the role that McCoy has uh, for years, but to a lesser extent because you have other veteran running backs on the roster right now that are able to take some of the workload off of him anyway. My only worry 
like I said before, is that we don't go into the season and progress throughout the season. And this guy that you drafted in the third round is clearly talented. I watched a lot of film on him. I've said it before. He reminds me a lot of Devontae Freeman in Atlanta. I just don't want to be stuck in a spot where he's having a very hard time getting touches and getting a chance to show whether he's good or not because you've got three veteran guys that have to get their touches ahead of him. If it were up to me, I would be trying to trade with Sean McCoy right now. Maybe they are doing that. Maybe it's just a barren wasteland of a running back market to acquire anyone. Because really, when you do look around the league, no one really needs a starter other than probably Tampa Bay. They're going with Peyton Barber, and he's just not that good. So maybe Tampa Bay, but past that, you might not have much of a market. So maybe you can't trade McCoy, but I think he's the only guy on your roster right now, other than Singletary, but you're not trading him, that might have some sort of value. That, at the end of the day, I think is still what I want to see uh, from the Bills at that position. Find a way to trade McCoy. I get that he's been a Bill. I get that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer. And that he's been a star player for you. The fa- Really the face of your franchise for a few years. But I'm, I'm trying to think about on-field production and my future at the same time. And to me, he's at best case scenario, he's got one year left and he's going to lead a very muddied backfield. And if I can get something for that, I think I would want to do it. 803 if you want to tell me what you think of that. We'll read through some of your texts and tweets when we come back as well. Um, Jeff Skinner in the news today, and we'll get into that before we get out of here as well. Like I said, we got a brief nightcap as we're going to get you to Blues and Bruins Game 5. Puck drop at 8 o'clock. Our coverage on WGR starts at 745. If you missed the news on Skinner today, Bob McKenzie had an interesting tweet on that, and it seems like the timeline on what happens with Skinner might be, like a lot of the action might be in the next few days. We'll talk about that when we come back, as well as your reaction to uh, the running back comments there on WGR. Victor, I thought he had an amazing season. Make that transition coming over to North America, you don't know how it's going to go. We always talked about the shot, but what we liked was his ability as the season progressed, get to the net more, get into the forecheck more. He did a very good job in the defensive zone in the American Hockey League and really earned the opportunity to get called up. And I think what both Jack and Sam really enjoyed playing with him at the end of the season, simply from the standpoint of his hockey sense. And you talk about the shot to finish off chances, but also to create chances. That's Sabres general manager Jason Botcherill. On Victor Olofsson. That's something um, we're going to have to talk ourselves into if the Sabres don't sign Skinner. Because I don't know who else is scoring for you. You better hope Victor Olofsson turns into a 30-40 goal scorer if you lose Jeff Skinner. Because you are not replacing that otherwise. And that's a long shot. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but he might have the capabilities. I mean, he showed really well. Uh, at the end of last season, so I'm optimistic about him. We'll talk about Skinner in a little bit here um, as we progress. we got about 10 minutes left here on the nightcap. Uh, 803-0550 if you want to get some thoughts in. Uh, we'll talk about Skinner, like I said, in a second, but conversation going on right now about the Bills and the backfields. A very interesting position for the Bills um, that you have four guys, one of which being LaShawn McCoy, who's pretty much been the face of your franchise for four or five seasons now. And to me, while their words have indicated that they want him to be the starting running back and the lead back again, their actions say that they're not quite confident uh, that that's going to be the case in 2019. Let me know what you think. Like I said, 803-0550. We'll read through some texts and tweets in a second. Let's get to Ron. Ron, you're on the nightcap. What's up? 
Hey, Sneaky Joe, how you doing tonight? Good, how about yourself? I'm doing great, doing great. This is my thought. Right around after the Super Bowl, I started telling friends, uh, McCoy won't be back. I'm going to do something. He won't be back. I had uh, dinner a couple weeks ago with uh, Waddle, and I was talking about my thoughts, too, and he thought I was kind of crazy. And I said, my, my, I'm thinking they're going to treat him like Watkins, like they're going to either trade him at the uh, draft, didn't happen, but he might get a play, uh, preseason game or two in, but they'd be looking to move him. I think they're really going to look to move him. You don't draft a guy in the third round and then decide to keep and bring in Gore, who is you know older than the NFL, and decide to keep McCoy. Not because McCoy lost a step, but our offensive line wasn't great. But I felt all along that they want to part ways with him. He, he, they didn't get, they didn't trade for him. And- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And it's not their guy, and I think they want to go a different direction. So I think you're on track. I think that's how I felt for a long time. I think you're on track tonight. People can call us crazy, but... We'll see who's last last, man. You have a great night. Thanks. Bron, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just... I, I get the, the pushback, for the most part, to me, is the name. It's the name LaShawn McCoy. I think some of us don't really want to look and see the decline. We want to point to the offensive line for a reason, to the decline. But really, if you look, even two years ago, he barely cracked four yards a carry, which is average in the NFL. He did. He did. At age 29, he cracked four yards a carry. He was right on the the dot with that number, which is average in the NFL. But that was decline from what LaShawn McCoy was. I mean, he was a, he averaged, he's almost five yards per carry for his career. Actually, four and a half. Um, but that's been weighed down because of the last two seasons. I mean, he is, when at his prime, he was averaging five yards a carry. He wasn't just making people miss, but he was hitting those holes and he was outrunning guys. And I think now he can still be a productive back in the league, but he has lost a step. Last year, even when he was making guys miss and when he was hitting the holes, it didn't seem like he still had that that home run speed. And he was never the fastest running back in the world, but he had speed. And there are a lot of metrics that indicate that it wasn't just the offensive line last year for him. That definitely, definitely contributed to his, his bad numbers. But that wasn't it. I mean, he was last in the NFL in for running backs in yards after contact. He would get tackled. Or he would get hit and go down. Like, that was it. That was the end of the story. And I don't think you can just completely blow by the fact that Chris Ivory, who's no longer here, was more productive than him last year with the same offensive line. I also don't think you can... They were pretty close, but Ivory was slightly more productive. And I also don't think you could blow by the fact that Frank Gore, in Miami, who also didn't have a great offensive line, was more productive. And he's older. So... I just I guess I just don't buy that his down season last year was just a product of the offensive line. I think there's more to it. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. It's up. Hey Joe. Uh the last caller pretty much said everything I need I want to need to say. Um I'm part of I can understand where you want to trade um Sean McCoy. I mean, part of me was hoping that he could bounce back and 
that with a better offensive line, but you just made a good, very good point. So I, I, I think LaShawn McCoy might be shot. I mean, maybe, maybe if we keep LaShawn McCoy and he bounces back a little bit, that might help his trade value. But I really about getting the reps. I really depends if LaShawn McCoy can bounce back with a better offensive line. But I, as you said, I think he's shot. He might not have him anymore. Yeah, th- thanks for the call, Jonathan. And, and like I said, I don't think that he can't be productive. I think bounce back year, he can have one for sure. I just don't see why you need that. I don't see him having this this ceiling that's so much higher than even Frank or TJ Yeldon or even Devin Singletary. I mean, you don't really know what Singletary's ceiling is, but that's unexplored territory that I'd like to explore. He could have a bounce-back season. I think any running back you put in there for the Bills right now would have a bounce-back season. If Chris Ivory was still here, and for some reason the Bills decided that he was going to be their starting running back, you know what Chris Ivory would have? A better year than he had last season. A lot of it does come down to the offensive line. I don't... Maybe I'm wrong, but I saw a lot of things last year in LaShawn McCoy that make me think that it, it's, you know, it's, it's partially what's left in the tank for him, too, and that it wasn't just a product of how bad their offensive line was. Um, but like I said, if he does play, I would expect him to be at least semi-productive. I just think Singletary can give you the same thing, given the little I've seen from him. I think Gore could give you similar. I give, think Yeldon could give you similar. So why do I need to keep all four? I'll have more on this on the website uh, coming up soon. Um, I want to change gears, though, as we got about five minutes before we're going to get out of here and get you to c- coverage of Game 5 between the Blues and the Bruins. Still amazing that Zidane Chara is going to play. Um, at least it seems that way with his broken jaw. Uh, one news item to get to before I get into Jeff Skinner here. The Eagles announced that they've signed Carson Wentz to a four-year extension through 2024, so the Philadelphia Eagles have locked up their uh, franchise quarterback long-term. Um, so Bob McKenzie tweeted earlier today on Jeff Skinner, and we didn't have almost any reporting on Jeff Skinner for months and months and months and months, and seemingly that may have been because there just wasn't any negotiating going on. Repeatedly, Jason Bottrell has talked about the fact that they wanted to figure out the coach before they really dove into contract talks and that seems to be what's happened here because once Kruger was hired and once Botchel said as much that all right we got the coach and we wanted that down first and now we're going to do Skinner now there's been some reporting on it now Bob McKenzie is tweeting that it's going to come down to the next few days crunch time for Jeff Skinner uh Darren Dreger has had stuff on it uh Elliot Freeman has had stuff on it that makes me think that they never really had a serious contract discussion, and I might be wrong, but they never had a serious contract discussion during the season. And if he gets away, that's going to be something I think that could be a story. That you just you didn't decide you wanted to keep him long-term until it was too late. Until you didn't quite have enough time to negotiate. And I think maybe that's a, that's a, that's a very generic way to put it, and a generic way to think about it. It's definitely got to be more complex than that. But people are going to think that. People are going to think that you waited and waited and waited and you wanted to make sure he was really good and you wanted to make sure he fit with your locker room and fit with Jack Eichel and then, oh, wait, wait, we want to make sure our coach is too and, okay, now it's June. All right, now let's do it. And I just think that that's an approach that you can absolutely get criticized for. Figuring out too late what's wrong. And it comes with a bit of precedent. 
because the Sabres over the past two years under Jason Bottrell and the coach, Phil Housley, when he was here, I would say have come too late to the party to stuff that they should have known beforehand. Like, this season, the amount of time it took to really make any sort of change to their lineup, to their roster, or in some cases, they didn't make any big changes. When they were first place in the NHL, or when even they were on a bit of a slide, but, you know, still in the playoff picture, or even still in a playoff spot. They could have acquired a Charlie Coyle. They could have acquired a Kevin Hayes. But they decided against that. They were going to continue to go with what they went were going to go with, despite the fact that Patrick Berglund was long gone. And he was your plan to be a secondary center behind Jack Eichel. You didn't try to replace that. You never tried to bring up kids from Rochester. C.J. Smith got a couple games, but that was about it. Victor Olofsson didn't come up till right at the end of the season when you were out of it. Alex Nylander didn't come up till right at the end of the season when you were out of it. Even at the beginning of the year, Gooley never got a real shot here. Until you had major injuries, or a lot of injuries. And maybe this will just be another thing added to the list that the Sabres waited too long to get to. Year one. It took them an entire year to figure out that they didn't want Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane on their team. And there is an argument to be made that you want to let it play out. You want to see what you got. But I'm looking at the Bills over here, and I know it's a different sport, but they knew what they were doing. They knew what they wanted right away. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean showed up, and they didn't waste a year to see what they had. They moved on from Sammy Watkins. They moved on from Ronald Darby. They did wait a year, I guess, for Tyrod Taylor, maybe half a year when they tried to go with Peterman. But... They seem to know what their plan was from the get-go. Marcel Darius did not last long. And the Sabres have kind of, to me, been waiting around for a lot of stuff. And I hope that the Skinner uh, part of it, or the Skinner contract, doesn't be one of those things that we can add to that list. All right, thanks everybody for listening tonight. I'm going to get out of here because, like I said, we got Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals coming up next. The Bruins and the Blues in Boston. Series tied at two apiece. Zanino Chara is expected to play despite having a broken jaw. It's still incredible to me that he's going to go with that. One hit, right? Wouldn't it just take one hit before you go, all right, I can't do this? The vibrations, the the contact, the physicality. He's going to give it a go, and he is a tough you-know-what for trying it. Um... So that's coming up next. Stay tuned. Stanley Cup Finals after this. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR.